Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. This is Meredith. And as always, I'm joined by Heather, Dana, and Lisa. So we gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and the various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Welcome to this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Four Sober Chicks podcast. Uh, We just got done with kind of going through all of our stories, so we hope that everyone enjoyed that. Uh, Today, we are actually going to be talking about really our different paths of recovery. And what we think is super important about this is there's not a one-size-fits-all in recovery. Recovery can happen any way, um, and we literally have four completely different paths that we went on. But we do think that it's actually really important um, that people understand that it's not that you have to go to rehab or you have to go to AA, or maybe you just, when they decide you don't have to drink, um, they can literally look totally, totally different. Maybe with some common threads through it, but that's about it. So ladies, welcome back. Um, I think this is going to be a fun one. It's definitely less serious than where we have been in the last four episodes. Absolutely. (laughs) So who wants to start? (laughs) Pause here. I I can start. I can start. Um, Yeah, I, okay. So it's interesting because I, um, I have been sober for coming up on two years, but when people ask me, about it. I talk about it as, you know, my recovery journey began seven years ago because it really did. That's when things started to shift. Um, It just, you know, I was entering into my early forties, things were just getting messy. You know, I I realized things had to change. and, And basically I tell people at that time, I really got curious. I got really curious. I didn't know where to begin. And, um, I started by, hitting the internet, following people on social media. Um, and then from there, it sort of spawned into um, books. And I have my huge stack of books here. I just wanted to highlight some of the ones that I um, that really influenced me. This Naked Mind was one of my absolute favorites. That's one I started with. Got all my like tabs here. Um, and The Alcohol Experiment is also by Annie Grace. Seven Weeks to Sobriety, that was kind of just an interesting one. Alcohol explained, feel a fear and do it anyway. It's not like um, a recovery specific book. Anyway, there's that. And then, you know, some of these are not really, oh, of course, Quit Like a Woman. That was one of my absolute favorites. She's super funny. Um, Holly Whitaker. Yeah, so, and Jen Sincero, you're a badass. Like some of these were not specifically Girls, stop apologizing, Rachel Hollis. Um, some of them are not specifically to do with addiction, but they're just empowering. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say that the alcohol experiment was my absolute favorite because um, it also explained what was going on in my body at the time. You know, what, what, what was 
how alcohol was affecting my body, which I was very interested in. So um, yeah, basically got really, really curious. And then um, once that started, I then decided, okay, I'm going to take a whole year off. So about five years ago, I, I just, I said, I'm going to quit for a year. And it was actually surprisingly quite easy because I'd made a decision. I wasn't in that weird sort of in-between period. I'm going to try and moderate. Oh, that's not really working. You know, I, I, it, was a, it was a concrete decision. And um, I felt amazing. I had tons of energy. I was so energized. Um, I would definitely recommend if anyone wants to take any kind of a break, even if it's for a month or a couple weeks, give it a, give it a shot because um, it really teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, and yeah, it, it taught me, it taught me a ton uh, about how alcohol was making me feel, but, um, and what I was using it for. I journaled a ton during that year. Um, and so, and it also taught me a lot about how others were going. I was surprised at how others reacted to me. I had a lot of people who were just like, oh, that's cool. You know, didn't think it was as big of a deal as I thought it was. And then I had other people who would pull me aside and go, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. You know, and it was, that was so empowering and so unexpected as well. Um, yeah, and, but then when the year was up, I happened to be at a holiday party and I was like, you know what? I've done my year, it's over. Why not have a glass of wine? Whew, I like slid right back into things within a few days. I just slid right back into that habit. And I continued there for a number of years, still reading my book, still keeping engaged, doing the social media, but, but having just this, just it took control of my life again. Um, so essentially what happened was for me, the shift happened uh, for the pandemic, when the pandemic hit for us. It's March, 2020. Um, and I was, you know, drinking every day. It would just, it was part of everything. And then I finally decided I, that was my kind of rock bottom. And I went, I'm done now. And I want to really make the switch. But what I wanted to ensure was that I removed the desire to drink. Um, I never wanted to feel like I was um, uh, giving something up for the rest of my life. I never wanted to feel like I was missing out. I wanted to step into something empowering. Um, I started branching out a bit more. I, I started going to AA meetings, sampling even more different things, what she recovers meetings. Um, I, did, I did a bunch of different things, connected with people. Um, and I tried to see what stuck with me. Um, and one thing that I knew I needed to do was to get to the root of it. Um, and I actually, I found a recovery coach and started working with her. We worked together for three months ish. And it was kind of, she had like a hybrid approach, um, of a program where we did some, uh, connecting with others online, like in group. I had one-on-ones with her, but then I had a lot of individual work I had to do myself. So I did for my journey, it included a ton of journaling, a lot of meditation, um, it, what else it, uh, the journaling was all about acceptance and, and getting clarity on whys and who I was and my core values, um, bringing in different rituals like meditation, self-care walks in nature were huge for me getting out in nature. Um, 
communication, making sure that I wasn't doing it alone because uh, I did that last time. Um, so connecting with others, even if it was just online, posting in groups, um, commenting on people's things online. And um, yeah, that, that's essentially how I, how I did it. It's just, I feel like going through that mode got me deeper and got me more into shifting my mindset. You know, like it wasn't just a Band-Aid solution of I'm not going to drink, period. It was the whys, the where, where is, where did this even begin, you know, and really picking everything apart. So almost um, for me, sort of therapy, just deeply going inside myself and trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. And of course, a ton of education with books. That helped me. I needed to know why this was happening to my body, why, why I was in this situation. And knowing, you know, the science behind it really, really was empowering to me. It helped me go, okay, well, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder this became a problem. And then um, obviously so empowered that I went on to study recovery coaching myself, which is where I met all you lovely ladies. And um, it, that helped my recovery even more understanding the neuroscience behind it all. So yeah, my journey was essentially going deep, going really, really, really deep within me and, um, and also not doing it alone. Not doing it alone was a huge part. So that, that's how I got to where I am today. I can go next. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. Um, I have some common threads, but it did it in different ways. So as you know, I shared in, um, in my story, I went to rehab and, um, one of the reasons that I selected that it was so destructive at the time and, um, really unknowingly suicidal that I needed to have a different level of intervention, um, at that point, as well as my very strong trauma history, I needed something, I needed a specialized program. And so I went to a program in Thailand um, by the grace of God, had amazing insurance and they covered all of it. Um, and so I went for 10 weeks. Um, I probably should have stayed for 12, but I was gone for the entire summer. So um, the first, and, and this program was really unique. You talked about the self-care, Lisa, like it had meditation was a requirement. Um, exercise was a requirement. Yoga was available. They did Reiki sessions. We had um, massage twice a week. Um, we had really healthy eating. Um, and the center was set up. So they had the drug and alcohol program. They had a trauma program and they had uh, an eating disorder program. And then they had specialty within that. So they had um, like an Arab only program. So they had uh, Arabic speaking um, therapists and counselors. They had an LGBTQ side of things so that they could individualize things based on the clients. Um, and it didn't feel punitive when, you know, when I went, it felt holistic and it felt um, healing. So 
when we first went, it was the first 90 day or first, sorry, first 30 days was all drug and alcohol. And, um, and they didn't follow the strict 12 steps, but you really looked at like the unmanageability in your life, the powerlessness, the decisions you had made that weren't um, in line with your morals and your core values. You um, looked at your relationship with your higher power at the same time you were practicing the meditation and so forth. And my mind, my monkey mind is anxiety that runs through my head is one of the things that kept me drinking because I could silence the monkey. You know, if I got the monkey drunk, then it would stop. Um, and so meditating was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I would go every day for an hour and go through guided meditation. And it is one of the most valuable tools that I use now because that ability to slow my mind down and to just let things fall away and stop worrying about stuff, you know? So this was this amazing tool that I could practice. Um, and then the second part was trauma related and it was grueling and it was um, group sessions and individual sessions and all of the things that, um, that are necessary, you know, to do a, good trauma-informed program and really looking at the repeat trauma that I had and, and really understanding the PTSD that I had. Like I knew that stuff happened in my life, but I had no real, and I even shared this in my story, like I had no understanding of how these things were being triggered. And it's, it's, I'm a therapist, so I'm trained, like, but when it comes to yourself, it all went out the window. It's like, you know, being a teacher and dealing with your own kids, you know, it's like when it comes to the denial is real. So I didn't really ever see the triggers or I didn't really see the PTSD that was happening or understand it. So I really got a, a lot of information as well as an appreciation. And one of the biggest parts of that was forgiving my mom and understanding that my mom was an addict. I carried that anger for so long for what, for her ending her life. Um, and I was really able to see how much of it was addiction. And that gave me a level of peace that I had not had up until that point. Um, and so a lot of healing, but also at the same time, like I call it my library. I have volumes of things. So I've dealt with one volume in that time frame that I could. I've built up some really, I have a great toolbox um, that is like, and I have a great recovery plan. And then I left treatment, went back to China. Um, and I lived in rural ass China, like goat farmers and fishermen and like no AA meetings. The closest one was five hours away. Um, and so I, um, I wanted it so badly. So I found in the rooms.com. Um, and this was before a pandemic, before all the online things. I didn't know about She Recovers Well. It did exist at that time, but I, it wasn't on, I didn't know. Um, so I did in the rooms.com and I don't get, I don't like early mornings. I would be up at 6.30 and I would go to multiple meetings um, when I could get to Shanghai, I would be in meetings all weekend and come home on my like 
my cloud because it was just the biggest part of it was the community connecting with other people who were sober when I would be I, I actually laugh I think it was my higher power but when I would do the meetings at home the internet was such that I could never share I could not speak the bandwidth wasn't enough and I <laughs> my higher power just needed me to listen right that's all it just needed me to listen so um, that's what I did. And I wanted it so bad. I think the fact that I was in a rural area and I had to fight for it was really good for me because I had to continue to work for it. I kept a recovery coach that was an extension of the rehab. So I had that and that was amazing. And then I had therapy um, and she was also in Shanghai. So we would do online sessions. And then when I would be in town, I would see her face to face. And that was my trifecta because I needed to continue to do some of the trauma work. I needed to learn how to live as a sober person. And that's what the recovery coach really, really helped me do. Um, and then I needed a community and that's what the 12 steps provided for me. Um, and that was kind of the formula that worked the best when I moved to the, because what I found was my support system, when I went away to rehab, no one noticed. No one gave two shits that I wasn't at the bar anymore. You know, like the people that I just thought were my people did not care. Like it just didn't matter. Um, you know, I had some close friends um, that were in the area, but it's living in an expat community. It's obviously very transient as well. And so, um, it was lonely. So those kind of things of having a, a support community, a sober community was really important because um, I needed to replace all of those behaviors, people, place, and things. And then when I moved to the United Arab Emirates, I came as a sober woman. So it was the first time that I picked people based on my healthy lifestyle, right? So the day drinkers, I like steered away from them because I have no business hanging out with the day drinkers. I don't need to be with the day drinkers. Mm. Um, and I've, I've met a great group of women who had, did not have unhealthy relationships with alcohol, you know, and, um, and like would have a glass of wine and that was it. That's bizarre to me. I don't know how somebody does that, but I was really glad I found a group of women that did do that. Um, and are very respectful of me um, and are thoughtful. You know, I'm, I'm good around alcohol, but the fact that they even asked, you know, is just continues that support um, and started AA meetings in my town that I was in because there wasn't one. And so there's a small group of people and we got together and, um, and then I would go into the closest town, which is Abu Dhabi for the bigger meetings and um, continue to replicate that community. For me, that's really important. And then I found She Recovers. And She Recovers, which we will talk a little bit at the end about, um, if you don't know about it, look it up, sherecovers.org. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome community. It's not just drug and alcohol. Um, it's for all women in recovery, anyone who identifies with the women's community. Um, and that started me on my journey to become a recovery coach because I got to a place where I was ready to actively give it away. 
right? Like, I think that's a really big part of my recovery is helping others. Um, you know, that um, I got to a place where I was, I had a good, I work on it every day, but I had a good formula. I had something that was working for me and I was stable enough that I could start to sponsor. I could start to talk to other women. Um, and that's when I decided that that's what I wanted to do for my next phase of my career was to really kind of give away what was given to me and save my life. Um, so that's my little recovery story in a nutshell. Oh, I love that. Heather, that was amazing. It, it like just, you had so many things in there that um, like one, one big word that you, you mentioned there was holistic, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so true. It's, it's not just, it's not just physically what's going on. It's so much <clears throat> mentally, <laughs> so much majority is mental, but just holistic approaching things holistically. Um, and, and another big one that you mentioned was toolbox having yeah. that toolbox. And I really hope that when people are listening to this, you know, for someone who's curious, they're jotting down like all these different things as we share our stories here. Um, because it's not your formula is right. going to be different from my formula, mm -hmm. different from everybody's formula in this call. Yeah. Yeah. The other, yeah. the other word that really spoke to me with both of your stories is community. I guess yes. really, that support is really yeah. coming out on all of yeah. our stories for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's what I didn't have at the beginning when I did it for my yeah. one year. Absolutely. Really didn't. Yeah, it was the one yeah. bigger one that I brought in and that made a difference <clears throat> second time around. Yeah. Meredith, do you want me to go? Do you want to go? Sure. I think you should go because I'm <laughs> going to be the outlier. So. <laughs> ah, <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, like, like many of us, that community speaks, speaks mm -hmm. volumes. Um, you know, Lisa, I was thinking of you with that, the, this naked mind book. And I, I just, I, I absorbed and ingested yeah. so many books, as many books as I could, but I had been reading that this naked, this naked mind for three years mm -hmm. and I would pick it up and I'd read it and then I'd reread it. And then, and I'm like, why is this not sticking? She said, this is going to stick and this is not sticking. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, um, Annie, Annie would say, it's just gonna, it'll make sense. And I, you know, yeah. I, I remember writing so my best friend moved to Nevada and I'm in Pennsylvania and, um, I bought this journal for us so we could write messages just back and forth. So we would send the journal back and forth in the mail. Mm -hmm. And I remember sending the time that I'm like, I quit. This is it. This is, this is the final time I'm quitting drinking and I'm reading this book. I'm going to do it this time. And it was the, I, I confided in somebody. I didn't even tell my husband and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I lasted maybe six weeks and it, I was so ashamed and so just beaten down that I picked up again. Um, but I think that's like a lot of our journeys. We, you know, we start and stop and start and stop. They talk about all these day ones and how many of us have them and how many we have. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm glad at least up until this point that I've had my last day one. I, I can't say forever. I want to say forever, but they always tell you never to say never. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, putting that out there, but I, I truly believe that, you know, my last day one was, a, you know, 503 days ago. <laughs> um, and 
it, it, it was totally a journey and an adventure. And I didn't go the normal route, right? I didn't go the 12 steps. I didn't know about She Recovers at the time. Um, I am part of that now, thankfully, because that's just a wonderful organization. Um, but my plan of attack because I was a health and wellness coach like like Lisa is and you know there was that something wasn't clicking with my coaching like I, I couldn't figure out what it was well here it's like I'm doing all this damage to myself how am I supposed to help other people get better um, so I'm like you know what I gotta go that route so I found the recovery coaching that we all did and IAPRC <laughs> International Association of Professional Recovery Coaches and that's where I found the support. That's where I found all three of you. That's where I found the tribe, you know, and finding the folks that were in the program at the same time helped me branch out to find those sober souls that I needed to help me on my journey. Um, so that community and that support is very important to me too. Um, but learning all about the stuff that this stuff does to your brain and and the ways they explained it was it just made so much more sense to me and thankfully when that that switch was flipped for me on that last day um, it became a very real picture on why it was flipped and how to keep it that way um, you know and and the two of you talked about toolboxes and and I that's one of the things in my formula as well as in my framework is that toolbox is so important you know to to when those triggers come up you know to have something that can pull you back into reality something that can you know just level set you back into okay if there's a craving just let it pass if there's something going on you know, out externally, you know, figure out what it is and why it's triggering you um, to be able to move forward. Um, just on a quick side note on that, I, I don't know if anybody's been watching Cobra Kai, the, 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 what was it from the wax on, wax off? What? Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah. Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Thank you. Karate Kid, yeah. From, I, you know, and if you listen to my story, um, the bullying, um, there, there's a lot of bullying that's going on in this latest season. I can't watch it. It is such a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked about that because usually I, I just like let things, you know, go over my head and I just let it pass. But doing the inner work that I've been doing and, you know, the, the being of service to others that I can't get through. I, I just, you know, it hurts my heart so much and I know it's just a show, but I, you know, I just don't. I just don't need it in my life to to that that negativity. So, I know I'm all over the place here, but um, you know, it's it's the community, the support, the inner workings of ourselves, that that toolbox, and and just being able to get through. Um, you know, even this podcast is part of my recovery. Being able to talk to the three of you and to have other people that understand, you know, on a, just a different level than, than my friends that aren't in this position is huge for me. So, um, there's all sorts of levels of recovery and the, this is my how, you know, it's being a recovery coach. It's having that inferno burn so deeply in me that I want to help and, and be of service to others so they don't have to, you know, flail around like some of us did to try and find our way, you know, to really have that support. Um, so that's, that's kind of where, where I, 
I'm coming from. So that, that, I think I it. love the way, way you articulated for me and also with Lisa is that's to me the difference between sobriety and recovery. You know, sobriety is, yeah. is eliminating a substance and yeah. being sober from it. But recovery is having tools, living differently, surrounding yourself with different elements of a community, giving it back. Yeah. Um, whether you do it out loud or not, you know, this is how we're choosing to do it. There's by no means is there a requirement yeah. for you to tell right. everyone on Facebook that you're sober. You do you. Like, totally. right. um, but giving it away in some way, inspiring, um, even if it's like a close circle of friends, you know, um, and leaning into the fear. Mm-hmm. that to me and, is the difference yep and it's it's funny that you should say that because in my head i was thinking about this too that and i forgot to mention it you know everybody's got that quote unquote fomo the fear mm-hmm. of missing out when they quit drinking and i've tried you know you get that positive mindset going and you turn it into a jomo which is the joy of missing out the joy mm-hmm. of missing mm-hmm. out on the hangovers the sickness the you know killing yourself from the inside out and all yeah. of that stuff so yeah, you got to get through that fear, you know, and, and look at it from a positive mindset to be able to, to get through from sobriety to recovery. Yeah, one of my favorite um, sayings is change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Yes. You know, it's just shifting mm-hmm. that whole mindset. And it's like, oh, I never even thought of it from that perspective. You know, mm-hmm. that's amazing how powerful that can be. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So I do genuinely feel like I am the outlier. Um, and I only say that because I have not read any of those books. I have never been to an AA meeting. I have, I I have a community now, but when I started zero community, um, so I feel like I did the exact opposite. Now, I'm a huge advocate of always telling, especially my kids, I I want you to learn from my mistakes. And it's only by the grace of God that I got through what I got through um, because I genuinely don't think that is a path that people should take. Um, So I, I, but again, like my story is my story, but I also want people to understand that you can go through recovery just you, like that was my biggest thing is I had to get okay with being with me. Does that make sense? Like numbing, numbing. At first I drank cause it was fun. I was having a blast. I didn't have a care in the world, but then it came to a point where, you know, in my story, when I said, once I had kids, I almost, that's when it took off. Um, I didn't know what I was numbing. I knew that I had animosity towards, you know, my mom and I knew that we had our struggles and childhood and all that, but I could not put my finger on why I was drinking so much, what I was trying to numb and not until I probably had a year of sobriety under my belt. Then I was like, Oh, okay. That was a trigger. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, I did go to therapy. Um, and a lot of it was my relationship with my mom. Um, but I I mean, I, I've heard this naked mind and quit like a girl and like all these things. And I don't know why I've never picked up one of the books ever. 
It's where people are like, well, what would you recommend? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I have a really good friend, Lisa. She's got a ton of books. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to offer and, and it would probably serve me to read them. Um, and it would probably serve me to go to some type of meeting, whether that's AA or something that's based on, you know, foundationally something different, but about addiction, you know, the list could go on and on, but I've never done that. Um, and I had said in my story too, that I had gotten myself into the mess and I am that stubborn person to where once I'm committed, I will get myself out of it type of thing. And it was all about me fixing it, not having other people help or, you know, anything. So it worked for me, thank God. Um, But community now helps my recovery, if that makes sense. So, you know, I, I feel like sobriety is an individual thing. It's okay. We're eliminating X, Y, and Z recovery is life, you know, so you are recovering and you're getting better physically, you know, your activity is going up, your clarity, your mental mind is going up. You're a better person out in the world. You, you know, so I feel like it changes your surroundings and you live in recovery. You may be sober, but you're living in recovery. Um, and I genuinely think that I took one addiction and I replaced it with another. So when I quit drinking, I had to have something to take my mind off of it. And so that's when I really started working out like really hard. Um, I'm a volleyball player. And so, you know, any chance I had to go play volleyball, I was doing that. I was at the gym at five in the morning. Um, Those endorphins you know, is what really kicked that mood, um, or that need for a need for something. Um, so I just headfirst dove into just the fitness arena. And I mean, obviously that's served me and it, and it's, I say that I swapped one addiction for another, but it's a, it's a great addiction. Um, it's healthy. I, you know, it's trained me to eat right. I, you know, go to experts when it comes to food and nutrition and training and the whole nine. So I, I think that that was a huge catapult in my recovery is moving my body, knowing and seeing what my body could do versus when I was hung over and going to work out and I wanted to puke and, you know, the whole nine now, you know, seven years later being like, holy crap, like every year it seems to get better, which is amazing. Um, but I feel like when I quit drinking, there was no community. There was no being like, oh my God, you're a sober person, excluding AA. Um, and I was, my mom had kind of set that vision of, she was like, whenever I go there, it makes me want to drink more. And now that I tell that to people who are actually in AA, they're like, she was in the wrong group. And so I feel like I should have given that a try because people always tell me, they're like, a lot of times I go to AA and it's not for me. It's for my story to help other people. And they're like, you should really, I mean, if you're wanting your sobriety to help people, that would be a phenomenal place to do it is in AA. So people can see that it's possible and, you know, all that. And so I've actually considered starting to go. I know a couple girls that are um, about my same age. Um, they've got a great group. Um, we've actually started a local, so again, community, since it wasn't there, um, locally, me and another sober sister of mine here 
have actually started a sober community for women. So we meet twice a month, whether that's just sitting down and talking, whether that's going out to dinner, activities, um, the whole nine, because we do want people to know here that there's other people who are doing the same thing. And that's the commonality is, is huge. And there are some people who come who are like, I, I probably would have drank tonight if I didn't come or things like that. So that's, that's been amazing. So I feel like all the things that I didn't have, I'm trying to create to be um, easier for people to find, but also breaking the silence. I mean, and I've always been that way. I'm always a, I am very um, outspoken. I do not sugarcoat anything. I'm very authentic. And when I have talked about my sobriety, it's been, I mean, the feedback has been amazing. And then um, at our church, in order to get baptized, we had a river baptism here. And in order to get baptized, you have to do a video in front of the entire congregation. Like it's a big, big deal. And um, everyone knew about my addiction after that, because that was a, and I had people coming up to me being like, I had no idea. And I, Lisa, you've said this so many times and it so resonates with me to this day, but I feel like people have always put the quote alcoholic in a, like in a, in a box. And that box is, oh, you must've been drinking four bottles of wine a night. Oh, you must've been drinking a 24 pack a night. Oh, where if it's an uncomfortable relationship, that's addiction at the end of the day. And that's okay to have it be two glasses of wine at night does not make you feel like you have a good relationship with alcohol. That's okay. It didn't have to be my two bottles, you know? And so when people really saw that, they were like, holy crap, I had no idea. Um, And then the church posts, posts this on Facebook. So then it's going out to all, and the amount of people coming to me who I've never met, they don't live here that were like, your story is an inspiration. And that was when I was like, how do I get this out more? How do I talk more about this? And then lo and behold, um, I did the same certification that you guys did. And the neuroscience, again, I've said this has been huge for me. Um, It actually is what made, it's what was I'm trying to phrase this right. It made me be able to get to the point where I could forgive my mom. That Mm. neuroscience part where I was like, that was not my mom. You know, that was not functioning what her, her brain, the functionality of her brain was not where it should have been in order to take care of me. So that was a huge part of my mom, um, the forgiveness that I have for her. And that happened after she passed away, unfortunately, Mm. but the fact that I got there through all this is, is absolutely huge, but I feel like now this day and age of podcasts, I mean, if you have a story or if you want to help people, you can do it. It's Mm -hmm. insanely Mm -hmm. easy to do. Um, and then I think another really big part of my recovery that wasn't the best, um, was the amount of friends that I lost. Um, I was no longer 
the one that they called because whenever we hung out, it involved alcohol. And I think partly it was out of respect for being like, actually, she's not drinking anymore. I don't want to put her in the situation, which at the time was probably good. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, to this day, I could look at who my friends were seven years ago and who my friends are now. And I mean, I don't even know if I've won. Uh, and the funny thing is, is the best friends that I have now, they're not alcoholics at all, but they're not, they, they don't, they don't practice abstinence from alcohol either. So I can be around them. They can respect me, um, in that, uh, in that space. But that is, I think one of the, along with the inner stuff that you deal with when you're quitting, that's why I do think it's super important to find that community because you will be amazed at how many people you do lose. Um, and I focused on the people that I, I mean, my husband was a huge, huge part of that, um, recovery, but, um, yeah, I think that that community portion is what can really get someone through the loss of friends. And then, Everyone asked me, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Um, they're like, well, couldn't you moderate? Yeah. I don't moderate anything. Yeah. Um, I am either in or I'm out. And so I think if you can understand your personality, yeah. your traits, I mean, I come from an, I come from two parents with addictive personalities. I know that I have that. Um, it goes to show even with working out, you know, you yeah. get that and you just take it to the nth degree. Well, that's how drinking was for me. So moderation, I can't even consider that because mm -hmm. I know where that will lead. And my version of moderation, which is probably different than a lot of people's, I can't even go to the alcohol-free wine. I can't go mm -hmm. to the alcohol-free liquor because to me, that's the gateway to where I will be. I know myself well enough to have like, mm -hmm. I will be like, why am I drinking this when I could be drinking the real thing. So mm -hmm. that would make that correlation and connection for me, which I can't even go there. Now, do I think that alcohol-free liquor, I mean, the amount of alcohol-free bars that are coming, I think is phenomenal. But for an addict like I was, that can't be a part of my recovery. Again, the world scenario. Um, Cause that would be a slippery slope for me. Um, I know a lot of people who are in recovery, who I personally think have a very bad relationship with even alcohol-free stuff to where it is in their hand 24 seven. And I'm like, but are you, are you breaking that habit? And are you setting yourself up for failure? Um, but again, everyone has their own, their own journey. I just know personally, that's something that I cannot, um, I can't, I can't go down there. Um, so I, I knew from the get-go that moderation was not going to be my friend at all. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like even before I quit, I would try to moderate and it, I'd be like, well, screw it. I've already had two glasses of wine. Like that was yeah. quote unquote my moderation. And I would just take it to the nth degree. So that's what I would do. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's mine. I love that. not the norm. <laughs> That, yeah, that no, all but or nothing resonates for sure. Like, absolutely. I'm an all or nothing person too. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I think what absolutely. kind of hits home for me is that 
everyone kind of has described the exact perfect recovery for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so even though you said like, I did it at first by myself, but you then highlighted things that you learned in that process that were key to you still being in a living, you know, living your recovery. So, um, and I think that you guys could all agree. It, it's not like I chose to quit drinking. Then I I was like, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. It was literally a day at a time to write. You would figure out one thing, be like, eh, nope. And you'd be over here and then this, and you're like, oh, maybe. And you would go over there. So it does not happen. This is seven years worth of Mm -hmm. figuring out my recovery. It's not a, you quit drinking and then you know exactly what route you're going to go and how it's going to work out. It is a trial and error, like Mm -hmm. no other. It's a journey. And and what you totally, and what you start with, it it, it can totally morph. Like I started at the beginning, for instance, because you just mentioned it with those um, alcohol-free beverages Mm -hmm. um, and then kombucha. And, and then now like a couple of years in, I'm not really doing that anymore Mm because it's not working for me right now. Um, But it started that way. And that's, you know, and that's sort of how I feel with everything. It's like sample everything, like try it all, try it all. And then, and see what kind of sticks. I think for a lot of us also, and what I'm noticing after listening to everyone's stories, very much so it came from within. Like there was something that Mm -hmm. stirred within ourselves. It wasn't somebody else telling us it wasn't, oh, I did this for my kids. I did this for my husband. I did this because of that. It was, there was some sort of a spark. And even if it is very dull right now, even if it's mm-hmm. not like a, you know, oh my God, I have to do this for myself. That's a little bit of curiosity. Feed it, feed it and see where it goes. Well, feed you know? it and honor it. Know honor it. It's okay. Yep. Like that is an okay thing to feel. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, like, because for, for me, when that thought came and it, this is crazy, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was hung mm-hmm. over at church. Mm-hmm. The worship team is singing and I am like totally into it, but I felt like crap. Mm-hmm. And I literally sat there and I was like, oh my God. I was like, God is, he's literally telling me that I have to stop doing what I'm doing, that I'm mm-hmm. coming to church hungover. The whole sermon, I was like, I could have been the only person in the room and it was directed straight towards me. And I, literally was like, I know what you're asking me to do, but I can't, Mm. I cannot do it right now. But that was the start to where probably seven months later was when I, that was when I made my, made my move. Yep. And it has to, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it has to come from within because that I remember when my mom was struggling, it was the, oh, if she doesn't want to quit, she's not gonna. And I did not believe that. I was like, no, I am her daughter. She should do it for me. But that is so true. If it does not come from the addict themselves who want to make a change, it's not going to happen. And if it does, it's going to take a very long time. Yeah. And if if you you stop and you start, or you've had a couple false starts, it's just you can't throw all that experience away, Mm -hmm. you know, like you've, like I had my one year and, 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 but I don't consider that it didn't work. It didn't work. No, actually that was actually part of the whole journey. That was, I I think I had to go through that in order to be Mm -hmm. where I was now. There's a bunch of stuff that I probably wasn't even aware of that I had to go through 
in order to be where I am now. That was that yep. was chapter one of your recovery book. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you're probably on chapter twenty five right now. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it takes. It just seems to be different for everybody, right? But it's also it's that learning experience we learned from the last one. We learned from you know, and all these folks mm -hmm. that you know, are, are so bummed that they're back to day one. Well, there's a mm. reason they're back there. There is a reason yeah. because there's something else to learn before they there's can more. jump yeah. into day two, day three, and day four. Yeah. And it's a journey. This is, I have this love-hate relationship with counting days. I think it's important to see where mm. you've come to, Yeah. but yeah. also at the same time, it can be so demoralizing yeah. if you do pick up and you do have yeah. a new day one but yeah. the reality is is if you yeah. look at life as a journey how many times do we go down the wrong street or take the wrong turn or yeah. you know make a decision but the thing is you're making a decision you're trying something and you're learning yep. in you that learn process you it. learn something Always and we have something. and i get sometimes people go out and pick up and they lose their lives mm. and that is tragic and i think that's where a lot of this abstinence is the only way hundred percent you can't pick up you know I get where it comes from um but at the same time maybe somebody needed to go down the wrong path yeah. to find that that doesn't work for them to come to the right path right so um yeah it's all part of a journey and it, you don't lose that you know it's, no. it's something that you're learning in that time yep yep you're just adding to that adventure mm -hmm. yep the adventure adventure yes so as we kind of come to the end let's talk a little bit about she recovers because i think it's an absolutely amazing asset for um the women's community so as i mentioned before it's for anyone who identifies with the women's community all are welcome um and it's for drug and alcohol addiction trauma grief and loss, divorce, um, anybody codependency, who, codependency anybody who's struggling financial. with, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, with, I would say, you know, something they need that's out of balance in their lives and they need support, you know, that's kind of um, anyone in that, in that spectrum. There's a meeting every single day. You can find the meetings, uh, you can find the website at sherecovers.org. They have a trauma-informed yoga portion as well. So it is mind and body, um, but it's the community. It's yeah. this amazing supportive community that respects all different types of recovery um, and everyone is welcome. And the sisterhood that comes out of that, I think is mm -hmm. incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and it doesn't subscribe to any one doctrine. So that's where I think like, you can yeah. you can be a part of all these other types of recovery communities and then come back there and have a, a different type of an additional experience what do you and, what and else you do you guys want to add yeah you don't need to you can go and listen um you don't have to turn your camera on you don't have mm -hmm. to share or you can share if you want you put your hand up and you'll be uh you aren't going to be called upon unless you put yourself out there um so it's so it's just a lovely non-judgmental open amazing place of support it's just great it's just great and you're not expected to be there you know you can just go whenever you feel like you need it yeah 
There's also subgroups. So there's groups for yeah. uh, LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community. There's groups for um, women who have children with disabilities. There are groups for uh, allied health professionals. Um, so it's even taking it and distilling it further down to subgroups that are specialized, which is kind of really unique yeah. um, and special. Yeah, I'm part of the Moms of High Needs group, uh, High Needs Children. Um, my son's on the spectrum. And so it's uh, been really, really helpful just to connect even further on a different level. You know, mm -hmm. it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wow. Okay. Excellent. Thank you all. I, every time we meet, I always learn something more about all of you. So, right. And mm -hmm. it's empowering. And, and you know what, sometimes just hearing all the things that you guys are working on, um, that you do every day, it inspires me to think, you know what, like Heather, you were talking about meditation and I have to get mm -hmm. back to that, you know, not have to, I know it'll help me. So I, I always get something out of these, uh, out of these chats. So thank you all. Ditto. Yeah, definitely. And awesome. Meredith, I never read any of those books either. So that made me think <laughs> that we need to have a book club as part of our podcast. Well, we've talked about that yeah, in the past yeah. is how cool it would be to actually dive into some of this and have people who follow us if they want to partake. I mean, I think a book club would be a great idea, but yeah. Yeah. So that we'll look at that for yeah. the future for sure. All right. Yeah. We'll Thanks. see you all right. next episode. Thanks everyone for joining. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at Four Sober Chicks. That's number four, Sober Chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.